you're in Seattle, Seattle. And you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. The Ron and Don Show is brought to you by, in part, Ron and Don. They're both licensed brokers at Windermere. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Ron and Don Show. And we are live once again for the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to tell you about a guy named Drew Maggie. You have never heard of him. But after I tell you this story about maybe his first and only plate appearance in a Major League Baseball game. He waited 13 years to get to the plate. You're not going to believe what happened when he got to the plate. And I'm going to tell you about it here in just a moment because I think for a lot of us that aren't natural athletes or a lot of us that have just we're just really good triers, uh, sometimes triers win. And uh, I can't wait to t- tell you his story. Uh, also, uh, some sage advice from my 13-year-old. Uh, I've been writing down my dear Gunner stories, or I just call them nuggets. Uh, every time he says something, I will run off to a corner, and I'll say it on a recording so I don't forget. Uh, just some of the wisdom that kids have when they aren't filtered yet, when they aren't wearing those filters. Uh, I know it's not always going to be there, and it's going to go away at some point, but boy, uh, is he fun to talk to right now. And I'm learning a lot being his parent. So I'm going to share some of those nuggets with you. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. I got a book in the mail the other day called Outlive Ron Upshaw. And this is a guide on how to do it, which is going to be hard because I'm three years older than you. So thanks for the coaching, Coach. Uh, what is this book that you sent me? The uh, Outlive. It looks, it looks really good, actually. So thanks so, for sending it. Yeah. I mean, you talk a lot about longevity. Uh, on this show, and you talk a lot about fitness, and you are a former fitness instructor of the year, 0809. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're you're going to be that forever. It'll be on your, your tombstone. 0708. Yeah. 0708. Yeah. But um, so the, the, and I read a lot about this too. And so what I've found is many times there will be a piece of advice or a theory put out there by someone that's like a lifestyle blogger. Or someone that's experimented with someone, which I'll, I'll do this as well. I'll give you an example right now. Uh, people are coming out. It's all over the internet. Just eat meat. Don't eat vegetables. Don't eat fruit. Fruit has sugar. Bad. Vegetables make you bloat. Bad. Just eat meat. Good. Now the CDC has come out and just ranked all these diets. And like the keto diet, they weren't really ranking before because they didn't have enough research on it. Now they're saying, hey, and I read it this morning, these are dangerous diets. It's okay to be a little bloated from eating vegetables. And and your brain runs on sugar, and so does your body. So your body needs sugar, and it needs sugar from those particular fruits. And there's different kinds of fruits. There's different kinds of calories. So so anyway, but but if you turn on the internet channels that I follow, you'll see people with really great bodies not eating vegetables or eating fruit. Right, and so... um 
you read a lot of that stuff and it just adds to confusion. Totally. So this book that came out called Outlived is by a guy, his name is Dr. Peter Atia, and he is a uh, went to Stanford Medical. You may have heard of that. And yeah, he, and after I, his, I after after I read about fruits and vegetables, you go downstairs right now, my drawers are just full of salami. Right. <laughs> and so then he did an oncology a residency at Johns Hopkins University. And so when he's writing this book, Consider the source. I'm like, okay, there's a book on longevity by a guy that has some bona fides. Like he, he, uh, you know, is a medical doctor, did go through this. And then the, the remarkable thing on this, that why I thought you would like this book, is he had a falling out in the medical community. And I don't know if you've started the book yet or not, but what happened is he was going through his residency at Johns Hopkins, and he's a bit of a math nerd. And so they, he was going through his rounds, and he had this one patient that was very, very sick. And he was uh, needed to do his medication. Bless you. Bless you, Tony. Excuse me. It's uh, pollen season's in effect. <clears throat> and so these, these medications were keeping this patient alive while he was healing and going through his surgery uh, schedule. And so Dr. Atia, like one night um, on his weekend, he's like, you know what I'm going to do because I love math so much. I'm going to make a little algorithm here to tell me exactly when these patients should get their meds. And so he took their age and their weight and the, the different medications they had and how long it takes to metabolize different pills and whether it's a pill or an infusion, et cetera, et cetera. And so he wrote this little algorithm. And so he came back uh, the next week for his residency. And he's like, this particular patient, he should get his meds redone at 4.30 in the morning. And so he comes in the next day at 4.30 in the morning, and he's, he instructs the, uh, the nurse to administer the drugs. And the nurse says, we don't do that. We do the drugs at shift change at 7.30. And he's like, well, that leaves, means it's going to be unprotected from the meds for three hours. He goes, I want you to do the meds at 4.30. And so the, the, the nurse refused and, and basically told the supervisor that this resident doctor wants me to do it at 4.30, I'm doing it at 7.30. So he overruled that, Peter Atia did. Mm -hmm. And he gave the patient the meds at 4.30 because that was in the best interest for the patient's health. And he got absolutely eviscerated from the management of this program, of, of the hospital. And so he realized that uh, he was not cut out to just sit around and watch patients die. So he went off. He then had a whole different career using his medical and mathematics background in business as a consultant. And then he came back to medicine around longevity. And so he breaks the book down into like, okay, Don O'Neill, what is the most likely, what are the four most likely things to kill you? And how can I help you avoid those four? He calls them the four horsemen. So he's like, what are the four things that are going to kill you? Here's how you know if you're at risk. And here's how you avoid the four horsemen. And it's all backed by medical research. It's all backed by science. He goes to try to explain to you what's happening in your body. And it's not a food blogger. It's not a fad. Um, and he starts off the book of talking about how a day, the day that he swam a 14-mile race in swimming, that his wife, while he's eating his celebratory cheeseburger, said, honey, you need to lose some weight. Mm. And he's like, what are you talking about? I just swam 14 miles. And she's like, you're a heart attack waiting to happen. Wow. And turns out he was a heart attack waiting to happen. So mm -hmm. I think you're going to like the book. 
I've been enjoying it. I'm not smart enough to understand some of the things that he says, but if you are someone in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you really want to get the real scoop, and it's not easy, and it's not a fad, and you're not going to be doing what Don said and, and following some fad diet, these are these are things where you're going to probably have to ask your doctor for blood tests. You're going to need to do uh, some serious looks in the mirror on on whether or not you actually want to have longevity because it's going to mean some lifestyle changes. Yeah. And I have to say with, with the mental illness that I see in my family, Parkinson's dementia, it's, it, it's all across the spectrum. I think that's why I talk about longevity so much because if, if I get to 75, let's say I'm lucky enough to get to 75 and I'm a nut job. Uh, I don't, I don't. I just don't want to be around. I don't. I don't want to be around because I. I. I don't want to do that to my son, my friends, my family. I just don't. Especially your friends that are older. You want them to go have a great life too. You don't want them taking care of you. Uh, I had one family member that was struggling with dementia, and they were telling me that they were going to get their friends to basically take care of them. And it's like that's not okay because your friends are eighty years old as well. So. Um, so I think we have this. It takes a lot of courage to read a book like this. It takes a lot of courage to go get those blood tests because what you're doing is you're talking about death and you're going to die and you're talking about your exit strategy. And so many of us, and I think especially if you grew up in the church, we don't talk about death. We talk about life. Yeah, right? part, part we talk. My- we talk about Christmas. We get real uncomfortable with Easter. And every time we talk about the Friday. Well, what do we say in church? A Sunday's a coming, right? Jesus died on Friday, but he rose again. He rose again. So it's all about life and rising and living, but it's it's never about you are going to die. Everything you own is going to be here, and all you're going to have left is legacy. What do you want your legacy to be? And do you want your legacy to be a pain in the ass because you didn't take care of yourself in life, and now you're in an auction machine, and you're whacked out, and you're crazy because you drank too much, and you do too many drugs or whatever it is you did, you didn't take care of yourself, and now you want society to take care of you or you want your family or friends to take care of you, I don't think that's cool. And, and, and I, I do, that's why I'm excited to read this book, to, to at least say uh, in my will, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I, I love going to funerals where people have had the final say and how the final say is going to go. And I've also been to funerals where someone just had a heart attack and died and everybody, nobody had talked about death and they didn't even know where they're going to bury this person. That's very, very different. It, it, it takes courage to read a book like this. So I commend you for buying the book for me because it, it pushes me to maybe an uncomfortable place that, that, yeah, and and I, that I know my family has been uncomfortable because we do not talk about death in my family. There's part of me that does not want to go get these blood tests. Yeah. Uh, but there's part of me that's like, you need to. Like, you need, to, it's better to know now yeah. uh, and make the changes now than to just keep kicking that can down the road. So the name of the book is Outlive. It's by Dr. Peter, Peter Atia. He also has a YouTube channel and a podcast. Very smart guy. He's not a teetotaler. He's not going to say go into a 24-day darkness retreat and eat only grapefruits. Like He has a glass of wine when he goes out. He has a wife. He has friends. Like uh, you know, But he's very, very smart and, and wants to help you and help a lot of people. He calls it Medicine 3.0. He's trying to bring on the onset of Medicine 3.0. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, more coming up in a minute. 
Oh, man, can you feel it? Spring is in the air, and that's why Les Schwab is doing the Les Schwab Spring Tire Sale. But do you know they also do other services there, from brakes and alignments to steering and suspension? Les Schwab has the expertise to help you keep you safe on the road. And right now, during that Les Schwab Spring Tire Sale, you can save up to $175 when you buy four select tires with Les Schwab Financing. Best of all, when you buy your tires at Les Schwab, you also get their best tire value promise that includes free flat repairs i've done this i've taken my car when i had a flat and they they fixed it absolutely free free rotation free rebalancing and more schedule an appointment right now at leschwab.com or you can just stop by any of the locations here within the sound of my voice that's leschwab where they've been doing the right thing since 1952 thanks leschwab Hey, you guys, it's Ron, Don, and Ma. That's not going to work. Ron, Don, and Mara? Ron, I don't have the, like, switch to Mitch. Get Mara with Mara. I'm going to have to work on this. I'll come up with something. You know I always do. But in the meantime, we've got a brand new team member we're pretty pumped about, right? We do. Mara has joined Team Ron and Don for the real estate venture. And Mara, you uh, had a background in tech. What's the type of person that you feel like you could really serve well in the real estate capacity? Definitely people who have just moved to Seattle or even people who are living in the city but are tired of paying their landlord's mortgage. Um, Yeah, so the cool thing is with your background in tech, you understand there's kind of a negative connotation for the tech pros that are coming in, but a lot of the people are recent college grads, maybe your late 20s, early 30s, and like you want to establish roots in Seattle. Definitely. Most of the people working in tech are not the horror stories you've heard of the tech bros and are people like you and me that have just moved to Seattle, love the city, and want to establish ourselves here. I figured it out. If you want to work with Mar, you don't have to go far. She's sitting right here. In wow. fact, we can do it. Ron and Don said, I hit it. Mar Faro? I, I don't know what it is. But just when it comes to phrasing, I'm a freaking genius, you guys. And why wouldn't I be? Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don podcast. More of the podcast coming up. In the meantime, if you need us, you need Marsh, you didn't go far, all you got to do is reach out. That's ronanddonsitdown.com. More of the show coming up. All right, you guys, welcome back to uh, the Don and Ron, uh, well, the Ron and Don show. And I've been writing something down kind of in... uh, you, do you do little notes on your on your phone in the notes section? If I'm thinking about something I want to write or a story I want to tell, something I want to remember, I'll just speak it into the notes section on my phone, and then it gives me an opportunity to come to come. Yeah, back I have to. like a running list of little thoughts. Yeah, like so some of my notes I've been taking since my son was very little, and they're about him, and I send them to an account because I want him to know these things. A lot of times when you have a big family, the family tells the family story. When you get together for Christmas or Hanukkah, whatever it is that, that you're celebrating, you get together for a birthday, you're telling the family stories. Well, we don't have any family family around here except for our friends who are a great family that is our family so i like to make sure since we don't have a lot of people sometimes to retell those stories that he still knows his stories so i'll take pictures uh, events and i just send it to a gmail account that he'll have access to one day uh and there will be his life on a gmail i would encourage you to do it i had really thought about when i was younger the kind of father i wanted to be and 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 I think it is important to be a historian for your kids, especially if you're an older parent, a single parent, and you don't have family. Make around. sure you log into that account once a year, or they will close it down. I log onto it all the time. So <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. So that account's there, and I sent two things to it last week. 
<laughs> when we were traveling. And one of these, I think he picked one of these up for me because I will often say, when I hear someone say to me, uh, and I used to date this girl, uh, and she would always say, no, she would, she would, she was real woo woo. And she'd say, this is, this is a no judgment zone. No judgment. No judgment. And then I would listen to her sit down with her girlfriends. And I remember being at dinner one night and they were all in the no judgment zone. Were they being judgy in the oh no my judgment God. zone? Just gossiping like a mother. Right. Yeah. So what I learned is when anybody, especially when they're woo woo and they tell you no judgment, you are about to be judged. Right. That this is when and, and and the no judgment thing is a bunch of BS. Your brain wasn't wired. Your brain is wired to judge. Your brain is wired to keep you alive. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. Right. That's a media part of the brain. Right. That big cerebellum back there. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. Then you add the frontal lobes to the brain, and that gives us some control, a breaking system when it comes to judgment. So your whole brain is about learning and judging. And keeping you alive. So he and I have had this talk. Anyways, we're getting, we're getting in the car. <laughs> we're getting in the car the other day. And he says, he looks at me, he goes, Daddy? Because he still calls me Daddy. He goes, Daddy? He goes, no offense. And then he tore me apart. <laughs> what was the criticism? So I asked him, I said, what is no, and I wrote it down. I said, what does no offense mean to you? My son, and he said, Daddy, no offense means offense, but just prepare yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty smart. <laughs> That's funny. Can you, can you see the connection there? Yeah. Also, uh, he, we, we were walking through the airport, getting ready to go to New Orleans, and he's been noticing some things, and I think I shared a little bit of this, but this is the part I, I wrote down about puberty. He's been explaining puberty to me. Like, I've never been through it. Like, it's a brand new thing to him. Sure. So it's a brand new thing to me. And so we're walking there, and he keeps itching his butt, and he has he has his pants on. And when I fly, do you wear shorts or do you wear, do you wear pants when you fly? I wear pants. I get really hot when I fly, and I used to dress nice and do all that. I still put on a nice shirt. I still take a shower. I don't wear my hat backwards. I look presentable, but I wear dress shorts when I, when I fly. And I know to some people, that's Uwe and Nikki, because your skin is touching the seat. But you know what? Your skin is touching the seat. So uh, get get over So So anyway, he had chosen uh, to wear pants. I'm in my shorts. We're walking to the airplane. And he seems really uncomfortable as, he, as he's walking. And I said, what is going on? He said, he said, Daddy, you know, when you get older, your butt crack, it really sweats because there's hair up in there now. And he also says that there's zits up in there now, and they're really hard to pop. He said, this is so annoying. I think I'm going to live in sweats for the rest of my life. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Because he's so he's not a short guy or a pant guy, and he's like, that's why when you go drive by my middle school, he goes, look around. He goes, everybody's wearing sweats because we're all annoyed because we're all going through puberty and we're all getting butt hair. And I'm like, that totally makes sense. And then I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know about the the zits and the butt crack, but I have to say, back when I played football, I probably had had a few of those. Wow, we need a disclaimer on this episode. <laughs> Being a parent, man, is you got to be courageous. You just do. We will see you guys in 30 seconds. 
Hey, you guys, big announcement on the Ron and Don Show. Mitch Weeks has changed his name to Mitch is Strong. Yeah, Mitch is strong <laughs> when it comes to financing. And a lot of people out there, Mitch, they think, hey, do I have to put 20, 25, 30% down on a house? What does Mitch Strong Weeks say about this? What say you? Great question. No, most people think 20%, and that used to be the number, but first-time homebuyers can actually put as little as 3% down, which is huge. Houses are still expensive. They really are. And if you can put 3% down and just on a million-dollar home, that's as little as $30,000. A lot easier to save $30,000 than two hundred. dollars I'll tell you what. Absolutely. So Mitch, is what he's what going to do when you meet with him and you go to Mitch.loans, set up your time to talk to Mitch. He's going to show you all the programs, not just one program or not just one bank. You're going to have all the different programs, all the different rates, all the different time frames, and all the different ways to get into a house, even if you have 3% down. So switch to Mitch. It's really easy. You can go to Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the, to the Ron and Don Show. Have you ever had something you just loved so much, but then at the end of it, it was the end of it? And you have to honor that too, right? You have to honor that. But, but, but for some of us, and I wonder sometimes, you see the people, even though that everything is stacked against them, sometimes they keep going. And in that, when they keep going, somewhere in that story, uh, they find courage, they find tenacity, they find bravery. And, and, and for some of them, they hang in there long enough, and they, and they end up landing that dream. That's what happened to a guy by the name of Drew Maggie. Have you read uh, Drew Maggie's story? I have, and I have a different take on this, but I want to let you go first. I'll just read this to you, and this is from the uh, Pittsburgh Gazette, and he's a Pittsburgh uh, baseball player. It says, after 13 seasons, 1,154 games, 4,494 plate appearances in the minor leagues, Drew Maggie was finally going to have his opportunity to step into a major league's batter box to enjoy his first at bat, to take his first swing. He had envisioned this since playing in college. So they go on to tell the story that after 13 years, he gets called up to the Pirates. He'd been called up before, but he hadn't played before. And so this time when he gets called up, the Pirates are up 8-1. to one. There's a lot of pressure on this manager, not only from the fans, but from, and not really from Maggie, but from the other players that were in the clubhouse, they knew how special this was. And so they encouraged the skipper to send him out. They end up sending him out for his first plate appearance. And what was really touching about this is in the age of the pace of the game going so much, I'm liking baseball because there's more offense and it's quicker and the game's over in a couple hours. Uh, so I don't know if you found yourself watching any, I wish, I wish the mirrors would play a little better, but I, but I'm enjoying baseball. So nonetheless, it, it, it was interesting that the catcher from the other team and the umpire, they moved out of the batter's box and they let him just stand there so he, that he could feel that and feel that moment. Uh, and so he steps in the box, he fouled the ball, he ends up striking out, but he said that this was the biggest moment of his life. He didn't know what to do when he went out there. Uh, the first thing he did is he called his parents and celebrated with them. Uh, and he said this was the, the greatest strikeout that he could ever hope for. So you talk about perspective. It could you, you Think about the way he framed that story. 13 years. This is BS. I finally get a chance. They send me, uh, they send me in there when it's 8-1. to one. It's not even competitive. 
Uh, and then I go up in there. The other guy is throwing heat. Uh, he's throwing illegal stuff. He's throwing spitballs. I don't have a chance. I go down swinging. And then these guys don't even give me a second shot at another. He, he could have framed it that way, or he could have framed it, hey, you know what? It was the greatest stri- uh, strikeout of my life. Now, with a wet blanket at hand, Ron was just in my son's bathroom. He, he said, can I borrow a blanket? He went in there. He, put it, he came out. He has a wet blanket. What are you doing with the wet blanket here? What's happening? So here's the thing. I, I don't want to take anything away from this story. It's a charming story. His parents were in tears. No, ju- no judgment on this story. No judgment. No offense. It's a great no, story. No, no, no offense to Maggie, right? But there's a, there's a podcast out there, and I think it's by Freakonomics, and it's called The Upside of Quitting. And so the moral of the the story is, and it's about minor league baseball players specifically. So that's why I really recalled this thing that I read, and I've I've sent it to, to some people over the years. Let's look at this. That were minor league baseball players? No, just to, about quitting something. So let's take a look at it a different way. He is now in his early to mid thirties. All right, if he if he played college ball and he's done thirteen years in the minors, he's probably what 33, 34 years old. And so he's taken one of the most productive decades of his life and he's dedicated it to minor league baseball where he did not probably make very much money. He's on a bus a lot of the time. So the upside of quitting, what they talk about is, is, is this exact scenario in minor league baseball. We do not tell the stories and celebrate the stories of the great quitters. And so let's take a different guy on the probably came up the same time he did, went into minor league baseball, played a couple seasons and had an epiphany and said, you know what? I'm a very good baseball player, but I'm not a major league baseball player. So while I'm 24, I'm going to quit this. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to get my master's degree. And by the time he's 33 or 34, maybe he has a kid a master's degree, became an entrepreneur, uh, is giving back to society. Maybe he's a coach. Maybe he's doing something. We don't tell that story. And so we tell this narrative about never quitting and about never giving up. Um, But there's a lot of other guys that played minor league ball until they were 28, 29, 30. They didn't get called up to the Pirates. And now they go into the workforce with no college degree, with no skill set other than the ability to, to hit a curveball. And if someone had gotten to them a little bit and said, hey, it's okay for you to quit. It's okay to recognize that you're probably not going to make the major leagues and to, to take the rest of your 20s and invest them in a different way. And so while I, I'm a sucker for this type of story and I love this type of story, I think it, it opened my eyes to – the idea that quitting can be a good thing when I read that article, because I'm the type of guy, I did this in, in my marriage. I stayed way longer than I should have because I was raised on stories like this. Never give up, never quit, just grit it out, have tenacity. If you made a commitment, stick to that commitment and uh, at all costs. And so when I look back, it's like, hey, if I had ever been taught to be a good quitter and to know when to quit, um, my life would probably be better in some ways because I have I had fallen prey to the bias of, you know, winners never quit. Sometimes quitting is the best thing you can do. So for this guy, I take it at face value. That is the highlight of his life. He got there. He got an at bat. Um, and, and I hope that he gets more success and this happens to him. Uh, but I think for a lot of guys, by the time you're 25, 26, and you're chasing that dream of your childhood dream, for a lot of people, it's better to quit 
pivot and then you wake up in your in your early 30s, we should celebrate those stories. More. Yeah, I, no, I think your point is great. And we should also understand that quitting for for what you're quitting is different from different people. The best thing that, that Bill Gates ever did is quit college, right? It's the best thing he ever did. Uh, the best thing that I ever did for my career was to quit college. If I would have stayed in college at the time I was going to school and and we got our first major job offer down in the Bay in radio, we would have lost that job offer. And I don't know that we would have ever gotten a job offer like that again. That was an on-ramp to the careers that we wanted. And it was something that that radio is not something you really learn in school anyway. There, it, it, it depends on what that job is. So, But no, I, th- I think, no judgment, Ron. I think what you said is amazing. We'll see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to Thursday edition of the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget to join us in the newsletter. Or if you need to sit down with us as your broadcasters, your friends, or as your real estate agents and brokers, all you got to do is reach out. Yeah, you can email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com. Let's jump in the real estate game. You can book an appointment for a sit-down online directly at ronanddonsitdown.com. Yeah, we try to give a little real estate nuggets in every show, but we do a real estate-only show every single Friday. It's getting very popular, you guys. So thanks for everyone that's listening to the real estate-only show on Fridays, typically just under 18 minutes. I don't know why that is. We don't plan it. Every time I look, it's like, oh, interesting. I guess we go 18 minutes on this. So it's just one quick segment. It's something that typically is happening in the market or in one of our deals that if you're a real estate agent or real estate broker, managing broker somewhere, or if you're thinking about being a buyer or seller, you're part of the Ron Don Nation, you're just educating yourselves or you're becoming an investor, the Friday show really is for you. So make sure you listen, okay? And everything, everything that you need to know is at ronandonsitdown.com and ronandon.com. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Olay on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. (laughs) 